Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Appreciate you downloading and listening to the show today. And for this one, we are opening up the mailbag. We are answering your questions. Have not done this in a while. I figured it was time. Let's get right into it. At Hampus Villain. Hi, Boone. If Stefan Diggs holds out for any reason and or is traded, would it be likely the Bills bring in DeAndre Hopkins? If so, how much would it bump D-Hop up? Thanks for your awesome show. Well, thank you for being a longtime supporter of the show, Hampus. I think that this is a really tough one to project. I mean, right now, it seems like the Bills are heading in the right direction with Diggs. They got him to show up for the last day of OTAs. I think that's a huge win. And to me, it's a good sign that they're going to keep talking things over with him throughout the summer, that they'll be able to get back on the same page before the season. And the concern is that his fuse might be a little shorter now. So next time something bothers him, Diggs might be quicker to react. But I'm approaching it as if the Bills are going to find common ground. They're going to keep Diggs in Buffalo for at least another year. And I'd be much more worried if he didn't show up to that practice. If he didn't come back, if they couldn't get him back in the city, back in the field that day, that would have been a real problem. Now, if something changes and he isn't there, then yes, the Bills would certainly entertain D-Hop. He would move way up into the wide receiver two range in my rankings, but they might not get an opportunity to sign him because the Pats, the Titans, they're apparently the ones that have offers out to him, at least according to reports. And those are the teams that he also visited. Now, my take is that guys like Hopkins and Dalvin Cook They aren't getting the kind of offers that they want money-wise, and they have no reason to rush the process. So we're seeing a lot of reports about interest and teams doing their homework on them and offers being made. But I think a lot of that is coming from the agent and the player side, just in an attempt here to generate a bigger market. So maybe Hopkins will remain available into the summer. Maybe the Bills will have a chance to add him still, whether Diggs is there or not. But it just seems unlikely because the salary cap situation that Buffalo's in, the kind of deal that Hopkins is looking for, I don't know they'd be able to give it to him. But as for Diggs, Buffalo loves him. The team loves him. And like Josh Allen said, he is a huge part of the organization. So hopefully they can continue to show him some love over the summer. And he enters training camp just feeling a lot better about things and we get past all of this. And that's what I'm cautiously expecting to happen. At FF Undefeated, people always look back and say, we should have seen that coming for that team. What teams or players are misleading us? Who has hype around them, but we most likely will look back next offseason and say, we should have seen this performance coming from blank team or blank player? I love this question. I wonder if I could take it from the other way, though. Can I actually say uh, players and teams that I think we should be more excited about that might surprise us that way? Because Kyle Pitts comes to mind here. I mean, the guy had a thousand yards as a rookie. Then he dealt with injuries, bad quarterback play last year, but he's got the potential to be right up there with the elite tight end. So if he puts up another thousand yard season, if he actually scores some touchdowns this time, he could be right up in that Kelsey Andrews level of production. So I think that's one that we would look back and say we should have seen that coming. I also think the Falcons just being a playoff contender, I think that's on the list because they've really invested in the offense, all these high skill position picks. The offensive line is solid. They also invested in the defense too, right? That's the part that I don't think people are talking enough about, but Clays Campbell's there, Jesse Bates, Jeff Okuda. The defense is going to be better. The offense could be really good if Ritter is just even close to average at quarterback, gets all those weapons involved. So the NFC South wide open this year. 
I think the Falcons being a playoff contender is definitely a possibility. And then on the positive side, I will add one more. The Panthers actually being good. Bryce Young was the first overall pick for a reason. He has the potential to be an immediate star. The Panthers remade that offense, all new skill position players. While they already had a decent offensive line, so they got that figured out. Their defense isn't bad at all. They could turn this thing around really quick and we might be looking back going, yeah, the first overall pick actually was that guy actually was the franchise quarterback that they expected him to be. So those are a couple off the top of my head on the positive side. I don't really have one on the negative side, unfortunately. I mean, there's so many teams that are just one quarterback injury away from falling completely off. So there's a lot of teams that you could throw into that category. At Skull Actuary, what's your stance on the second tier rookie receivers? I see Jonathan Mingo is your front runner, but a lot of other analysts like Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed. Why is Mingo your top guy out of that group? So yes, Mingo is the front runner in terms of my rankings and he gets that slight edge mostly due to the draft capital being an early second round pick being ahead of those other guys. I also liked him as a pre-draft prospect, I think a little more than others. But when you look at the values in my dynasty trade value chart, I have Mingo, Mims, and Reed all ranked the same, all value the same, and Rashi Rice is just one point behind. So I've tried to take shots on all of these guys across all my rookie drafts. Mingo has the clearest path to be in his team's wide receiver one, I think sooner rather than later. Well, the other guys, they got some more target competition they're going to have to overcome, but they're all really intriguing, and the difference between them is very small, which I know is not the answer that you want to hear, but that's the truth of it. At Golf Loco. Rostering a few players you mentioned as deep sleepers recently. LaVisca Cheneau, nice to see I'm not alone. Zamir White, how many weeks are you giving these two? Maybe the final season to be considered sleepers? Also, is Kenneth Gainwell a hold or a roster clogger? Brutal offseason in Dynasty. Thanks, Boone. So, first off, Gainwell, not a roster clogger at all. He is right in the mix for touches. I see him as the main backup to that DeAndre Swift role. So if Swift gets hurt, which we've seen happen plenty since he's entered the league, then Gainwell would be just incredibly valuable. He'd be split in time with Rashad Penny, probably. He'd be playing that bigger back role. Gainwell would be playing more of the pass catcher. And he gets work around the goal line, too. The coaching staff really likes him. So it's going to be a committee regardless. But I don't see Gainwell as a roster clogger. I would definitely give him one more season. White is a hold since he's the main backup to Josh Jacobs right now. I'd be hanging on to him just in case Jacobs could hold out due to the contract situation or Jacobs could get hurt during the season, right? White has value there. And then LaVisca Cheneau, he's one that I am going to watch in training camp and the preseason to hear what's coming out of Panthers practices. He's a real long shot. We have to be clear about that. He's flashed some potential on the field. He's got some nice metrics to back it up. He just needs the right situation. And that Panthers receiver room It's far from set right now. They have Mingo and Thielen and DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall and Cheneau. So I would hold him through the summer if you've got that spot for him. And let's watch. Let's see if there's a drumbeat. But if we don't get any signs or any reports that he's getting snaps or touches in practice, you know, come August, I'm probably going to drop him even before the season. I don't know that you'll have to wait a week or two into the year. I think you could just move on at that point. He is just a lottery ticket type fantasy asset which is why he was in that super deep sleeper article that went up the other day that I wrote. It's all guys who are going to be last round stashes or more likely waiver wire type pickups for 2023 at world serpent 82. Love your dynasty content. Also, the show has been very entertaining as of late. 
I know you're very high on Alexander Madison this year, but why so high long-term? The updated trade value chart shows he gained even more value. Looking forward to hearing your response. Thank you. So this one might come down to how I approach dynasty running backs. I look at them with a shorter window because of the nature of how their careers unfold in the NFL. And if you just look back a couple seasons ago, who the top backs were, a lot of them have fallen off or lost a bunch of opportunity. Now you have the Vikings who signed Madison to a two-year deal. That makes me think they're going to use him for the next two seasons as their starter. And I'm not sure how many other backs I feel really good about holding on to their jobs over the next two years. I see a really high ceiling for Madison, and I've talked about that a couple times on the show recently. He's a top 20 back with RB1 upside if everything goes his way and he takes over that Dalvin Cook role, which we've seen him do when Cook has missed time before. And I know more recently in OTAs, there was some talk that Kenan Wongwu was getting first team reps, but he's more of a change of pace weapon. He is not going to be the starter in this offense. If Madison goes down, we're going to see a committee form. You're going to see Ty Chandler get more involved. And we're also going to potentially see Dwayne McBride, the rookie. He could get some snaps if he's up to speed by then. He's trailing a little bit behind right now. And if you look around where I have Madison in my dynasty trade value chart, he's right ahead of guys like Derrick Henry, who turned 29 and is showing some signs of decline, right? Last year wasn't his best season. You worry about him a little bit moving forward. Aaron Jones, he turns 29 this year. He's also split in his backfield with A.J. Dillon. Joe Mixon, who's turning 27, he has some legal issues off the field he's got to sort out. The team's about to ask him to take a pay cut. Meanwhile, you have Madison, who's 25, has fairly fresh legs, and that new two-year contract. So I hope that explains some of the value. I don't particularly love that range of the dynasty rankings when it comes to the running backs, but I think Madison deserves to be above those guys. And he's someone that I'm still buying and I'm excited about for the next couple seasons. At Count Ake 98729. Hey, Justin, thanks for always keeping it real. Brandon Ayuk plus a 2024 third or Elijah Moore plus a 2024 second. Love the show. Well, thank you for that. This one is Brandon Ayuk at a third all the way for me. I like more. I see the potential in the Cleveland offense. I also have heard the hype and the buzz from OTAs about him, but this is still a projection. He has never topped 550 receiving yards in a season. Meanwhile, you have Ayuk who has three straight years with over 700 yards and at least five touchdowns each time. He has already proven it. He is so underrated still for some reason. I don't get it. He's coming off a thousand yard campaign. He scored eight touchdowns last year. He also is getting massive hype in OTAs from beat writers, from coaches, from teammates saying that he's just an assassin on the practice field. Now I'm paraphrasing there, but that was the general sentiment. I promise you. So for me, it is Ayuk all the way. And I think maybe at the end of this season, we'll be looking at him as he should be valued, which could potentially be as a top 15, top 20 receiver in the league. At Funky Jankets, 12-team half PPR Superflex Dynasty League. Going for a repeat. Traded into the 102, hoping that the 101 would draft a quarterback. Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr are his only QBs. With this lineup, if Bijan Robinson goes 101, would you take Anthony Richardson or trade back to 4 or 5 and get Jameer Gibbs or Jackson Smith and Jigba plus? I also have Sam Howell. And they included a picture here of the roster, Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow at quarterback on the team, plus Howell, like was mentioned. So in a super flex league, you're definitely taking Richardson here, unless the offer to move up from four or five is absolutely massive. 
I would want a King's ransom for them to move up from four or five to get to two and to get Richardson. And I doubt people are going to pay that to move up just a few spots in the draft. They'll have a hard time justifying it, at least justifying what I would want for them to move up and for me to drop back. So I would take Richardson and I would let the hype build. I would let it get a little closer to the season or even let the season start and just let people get excited about him. And then you test the waters and you see what kind of offers you get at that point. And remember, I mean, you think back a couple of years ago, the Trey Lance hype before his rookie season values can just blow up with a few big plays in the preseason by a rookie quarterback. So you can hold on to him even see if he does well. And if he is good right out of the gate, you could just then trade whichever one of the three quarterbacks you have that gets the best return, right? But it is never a bad decision to be quarterback heavy in Superflex. The market is always there for them, especially when we're talking about guys with top five upside and all three of those quarterbacks that you're going to have if you take Richardson, all three of them will have top five upside. At Toaster Bear 7 I keep hearing Jamison Williams will be good for the Lions, but not necessarily in fantasy because he's a field stretcher versus a slot guy like a Monroe St. Brown. Do you have any wide receiver comparisons? I mean, his burst scores are unbelievable, so he can get open, not to mention if ARSB is doubled. Thanks. So first off, Jameson Williams is not just a field stretcher. That is lazy analysis by whoever you heard that from. Yes, he's fast, but he brings a lot more than just the speed. You go back to his college days, he showed strong ball tracking skills. He showed a real competitiveness that you don't really see in every player. And he showed that he can be a game breaker at all levels of the field, not just a speedster downfield. Now, during the draft process, I comped him to a much better Will Fuller. And when you think about Fuller, you think about his best performances. He had stretches where he was borderline elite. His problem was that he couldn't stay healthy. And I don't think that we can say that about Williams yet. I mean, the guy tore his ACL at the end of his college career. I didn't expect that he was going to be able to do that much last season. If we were holding on to him, if he grabbed him from one of my waiver wire articles, it was always just as an IR stash that maybe he could come back in the last month and give you something. But we didn't really expect that he was going to come and be a force as a rookie because of that injury. Now, could there be other issues with Williams that hold him back? Could he maybe not be fitting in with the Lions? Is he not transitioning well to the pros? Those are all things that we have to take into account with young players. And we just don't know that for Williams. We haven't heard anything like that yet. I don't think that it's a problem, but it could be. We have to be mindful of that. So the massive ceiling is there. He is more than just a field stretcher. I have cooled on him a little bit. I've dropped his value down. And when a player misses time due to injury, when he's not producing, especially when he's a young player, the value does drop a little bit, but I'm buying where I can get that discount. And I would trade a late first round rookie pick for him still, especially if we're talking about a late first round pick in the 2023 rookie drafts at King underscore Dwiz. I have the first overall pick in a fantasy keeper league in the league. Players can only be kept twice. I have two first round picks. My choice of keeper is Ramondra Stevenson or Garrett Wilson. And then was thinking if I keep Wilson to select CMC and another stud running back thoughts. Well, without knowing the scoring settings, I will assume that it's either half PPR or full PPR because that's what most leagues are now. And in that case, I'd be keeping Garrett Wilson, and then I would just take the best player available with those two first rounders. And if CMC is an option there, he would likely be one of the picks for me. But I wouldn't lock yourself into running back before the draft. I think, you know, it's hard for me to speculate on who to take with those picks because I don't know who's being kept. I don't know who's going to be there for you. But bottom line, Garrett Wilson over Ramondre in a keeper league. I think that's the way to go. 
at the 10 packs. And this one came in the form of a screen grab, which was attached to the tweet. It is a long one. So bear with me as we lay all this out for you in a decade plus long redraft league. And there's a rift amongst members about structure that is coming to a head this season. It revolves around it being a two quarterback league. The league is 12 teams. Teams are allowed to roster three quarterbacks max. One member is adamant this structure is unfair as not every team would be able to roster a starting caliber backup. I'm of the opinion that it becomes part of your draft strategy of when to take a backup, if you even choose to go that route. It also makes the quarterback position as important as real life. I've also tried pointing out that most seasons, there are 50-ish starting quarterbacks overall with benchings, rookies, injuries, etc., and that you should be able to dress a starter every week with some maneuvering. Only time two quarterbacks weren't dressed this past season is when one team had Watson as their third quarterback and didn't drop them for an available option. The league consists mostly of friends, and the member who wants us to switch has said that they would drop out if we don't. They want the league to switch to Superflex, which in theory isn't that far off, but still fundamentally changes what makes the league unique and what it is. Your opinion on the fairness of a 12-team, two-quarterback league would be greatly appreciated, and it's signed off from Chris. So, Chris, I will say off the bat that I prefer Superflex over straight two-quarterback formats, and that's not really a, a fairness thing. I think they're all fair as long as everybody knows the rules going in. It's more just personal preference. And part of the reason for me is, as your league mate's suggesting, that in two-quarterback, there will be times when somebody could be left out in the cold and not have a second quarterback to play, whether it is because of injuries or bye weeks or whatever. And you're saying it only happened once in the league last year. I do have a hard time believing that it only happened once because in my experience, it happens more often than that throughout the season. But in that instance, the person could always trade for a quarterback if they wanted to. So there's moves that they could make to find that second starter. The other reason why I prefer Superflex is because in my mind, it allows for more strategy. Because you can win without drafting even a second quarterback in Superflex. And I've done it. I've taken one quarterback and then got aggressive on the waiver wire. And I've started backup quarterbacks, you know, that get starts due to injuries. Kind of the, the Nick Mullins types. And I've ridden that to a title. Or you could also potentially survive with a really good receiver, or a really good running back in that super flex spot. So there's lots of strategy there too. And quarterbacks are still really important in super flex like they are in real life, which you mentioned. So it's not a huge drop off, right? It's still kind of similar. Now, if you were in a dynasty league or a keeper league, my biggest argument in your favor would be that I don't like changing the rules in leagues, at least significantly when people have already drafted based on a certain scoring system or a roster specifications. But in your league, you said it's redraft, so that's not an issue. And everybody would be starting from scratch and everybody would know well in advance if there was a, a big switch over to Superflex from 2QB. I'm guessing they would definitely know since it sounds like it's a pretty hot button issue in your league chat, but both options are fine. I prefer Superflex. It just comes down to what the league wants. So I think you take a poll and majority rules. And if two quarterbacks still wins and that other manager wants to leave, then let them leave. I mean, find somebody new, or maybe you're going to discover that they were just bluffing to try to get their way. And they'll actually stick around, even if they are a little mad about it. And they'll stick around because it's probably a pretty fun league. If everybody's this passionate, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a specific answer for you, but if it's a redraft league, if there's no keepers, then you just take a vote in the off season before the draft majority rules, a tie results in things just staying the absolute same. And then you make sure that everybody knows that decision well in advance of the draft so that they can prepare accordingly and away you go. 
But I will say on the record that I think Superflex is the better format. I also think that that is all for today's show. So you can see my redraft rankings, my dynasty trade value charts. All of that was updated this week over at the score. I also have my breakouts article, sleepers. I put up super deep sleepers like we talked about earlier. And if you're not already following me on Twitter, I'm at Justin Boone over there. So until the next episode, big thanks to everybody for all the questions today. Big thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time